Where Murder Meets Mystery contains graphic and explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, cool friends, let's take a walk down the street where murder meets mystery, a podcast exploring the murderous, the mysterious, and everything that lies beyond the beyond. I'm Marissa. And I'm Grace. That was a very weird <laughs> flux of my voice, beyond I'll admit it. the beyond. I wanted to spice it up. I wanted to try something new. Beyond the beyond. I it. And it doesn't, I, I will not be getting any audiobook deals anytime <sighs> soon, clearly. You know, I actually have gotten that feedback from several people that we have great voices for podcasting. We have so. faces for podcasting. <laughs> That's what I say, you know, faces for radio, baby. I um. literally, I started <laughs> this this recording session while I was waiting for you. I had pants on and then I took them off because I was sweating. So Absolutely I'm not Absolutely right not. Now. Yep. No pants. Yep. Um, if you could see my face right now, you probably would be terrified. <laughs> So, thank goodness. Thank goodness. I love your face. And I'm like holding back a cough. So it's just tears filling up my eyes. Get it out, girl. Get it out. <coughs> Thanks. It's like phlegm back there, but the phlegm is not from being sick. It is like phlegm from having just ate and like not having a drink with my food, if that makes sense. Okay. So I have, I have okay. a liquid death mm-hmm. mountain water. Um, not sponsored, although I wish it was. Uh, next Isn't that to me, alcoholic that or no? On. No, it water? looks alcoholic. Oh, it is. Okay. Um, it's like neat. It's thing. a. It's like a water brand that's straight from the Alps, which is cool. Um, their whole thing is like murder your thirst, and there's a skull on it. And there's a comedic bit about it. Okay, people, there there are comedians that make fun of it. It's like, oh yeah, I have a skull on my on my water, so I'm like super fucking cool. But in reality, it's That's nice because, hilarious. like, you could be with a group of people and drinking your liquid death, and it looks like you're also contributing to drinking. Like, it's I, like you know, I wonder like how beer. many accidental arrests they contribute to. <gasps> I think about that when I drink it in my car. I'm like, people probably think I'm li- <laughs> on meetings, Grace. On meetings, Cracked I'm like waiting for boy. somebody to ask me why I'm drinking a Miller Lite because that's what it looks like. You <laughs> um, know, it's wonderful water. I'm, I'm big into this water sommelier guy on TikTok. And uh-huh. he tells me what water is good for me um, versus, like, just purified tap water. And How does he feel about, like, Pellegrino? Because that's all I drink. I think he likes that one. Yeah. Okay. That's, I'm pretty you sure. You know that's all I drink. It's Pellegrino or, or um, what's the other one? Perrier? Yeah. One of the two, I think. I mean, I think he likes both of them. Well, they're yeah, they're both, like, mineral water. Marissa mm-hmm. opened my fridge a few weeks ago, and she was like, <laughs> what <laughs> She was like, why do you have, like, Costco-sized <laughs> bottles of Huge. mineral water? Covering, it's all like, I two shelves, it feels like. I really, like, truly. Oh, my gosh. But I lo- it's like, I know. mean, Khloe Kardashian who? I have, like, a beverage Literally. fridge. <laughs> you do. And and we we just bought two cases of Liquid Death, so I'm so excited to, like, put them in our fridge all fancy. Love. But oh, yeah. Obviously, the sparkling version of Liquid Death is not as good for you because it's not straight from the Alps. It's been... Right. Then processed with right. the carbonation. So um, you have right, to think right, about right. that, you know? Yeah. Hey, we're mm-hmm. hitting all the hot topics today. Water. Right. Uh, so this is a water <laughs> podcast now. <laughs> it's fine. I'm fine. What are they doing next? Oh, it's water murder meets mystery. I don't know. I don't know. 
water meets mystery. <laughs> it's Grace covers a water brand every week. It's like wine and crime, but with water. <laughs> the sober Today's version. This episode is sponsored by Aquafina. <laughs> no, thank you. No Aquafina here. No Dasani here. If it's if it's anything available, obviously I'll have it. But my water should not sound like I'm opening up a soda can when. <laughs> I open the lid. Wait, that's, that's such a good point. What do you wait? What do you drink? Like, uh, what well, I drink water? like fil- filtered water. Usually filtered uh, fridge water, um, but if I drink bottled water, I drink Evian. What the? Shut the fuck up. It's that's from so the French bougie. Alps, but like Smart Water and know, Essentia are all so fake. Bougie. Alkaline and like pH doesn't matter because as soon as it hits your freaking stomach lining, it's just acidic, so it doesn't matter. Well, that's interesting like the purest form of water you can get is like evian but then you have to think about the microplastics that sit in it because it's in a plastic bottle so then you're like okay let me get a glass bottle but you don't want the green glass bottle because the green glass bottle also has color in it so you have to think okay like the purest form of water would be like from the alps in a clear glass bottle and the fact that evian is like five dollars a bottle yeah sam's club sam's club helps you out you know sam's club that's it that's enough for me it's got a case i don't know like 10 so I fuck some Dasani, man. That's all that they have in airports, and I hate it. It's Wait, so yeah. gross. It okay, tastes we like can, we can cut this part out if you want, but I have to tell you this story. No, this is fascinating. <laughs> okay, amazing. Um, we were at the St. John Airport, and I was like literally telling Eric's parents about how like I don't drink Dasani, I don't drink Aquafina. If it's the only thing there, I'll do it, but like it makes me sad. And like after a week in St. John, I need like some good water. Right. It's a small airport. Everybody's walking around with fucking Aquafina, I think it is. And I'm like, fuck. Yeah. Damn yeah. it. Like, they don't have my water here. Like, I usually like to treat myself, get myself an Evian, a Fiji. Fiji's really good, too. Um, uh-huh. I walked all around this small-ass airport and found the last three bottles of Evian in the liquor store. In the oh liquor God. store of the airport. Um, so I got a bottle of Evian, and Eric did too, and it was like seven bucks, but it was so worth it because, man, Holy I was hydrated. Shit. Liquor, I barely know her. <laughs> Miller, <laughs> I barely know her. <laughs> like when I'm, I'm, I'm like Miller Lite, no other reason. Murder, I barely know her. <laughs> that's a new name. Water, Wait, that's I barely know her. That's such a good name. Why did we not think of that? <laughs> Probably too long for the socials, you know? Murder. Barely know her. Yeah, where murder meets mystery is way more concise. <laughs> You're true. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, speaking of which, are you, like, ready to hear my case? I'm so ready to hear Grace's case. Okay, listen. I've got a murder for you. I'm, mm-hmm. I know you're, like, super shocked. No. I told you I'd get back into it, like, pretty quickly. Yeah. So I did. Mm-hmm. So this one is, like, I don't know. It's just kind of, like... It's pretty cut and dry. It's not unsolved. It's not, there's not like a huge question about who was it. Like it's okay. pretty just Love that. classic murder. Yeah. Love it. So this is the story of the murder of Maribel Ramos. Okay. okay. It's spelled like Maribel, but she's Hispanic. Say. I'm thinking it's Maribel, but I'm not going to okay. say that because I sound pretentious. So I'm just going right. to say Maribel. Okay. okay, so Maribel Ramos's family left Mexico when she was a baby and settled in Santa Ana, California. As a child, Maribel was – I already fucked it up. Okay, I'm just going to say Maribel. It's easier. As a child, Maribel was described as a tomboy and a little bit of a troublemaker. She Ditto. grew up with her little sister, <laughs> little sister Lucy, and was mostly left in charge. Oh, my God. Did you hear Kenyon's pregnant? I didn't say No, I didn't what the fuck? 
Yeah. Yay. Wasn't she doing IVF? Yeah, I think so. Oh, I'm so glad that worked. Yeah. I just thought of it when I heard Lucy. So. Oh. Yeah. I'll tell you. Okay. Okay. She grew up with her little sister, Lucy, and was mostly left in charge of Lucy as their single mother worked two jobs. Um, <laughs> wait, I just thought of that Reba McIntyre song. It's like, a single mom who yeah, works two the- jobs. <laughs> <laughs> kids in the audio. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, okay. Lucy, who is seven years younger, recalls Maribel's energetic personality and remembers her as responsible, competitive, and tough as nails, even at a young age. After high school, Maribel dreamed of becoming a cop, but knew she needed to go to school and needed money to do that. So she enlisted in the army in hopes of later using the GI Bill to pay for school. Okay. Only 34 days after she enlisted uh, was September 11th, 2001. So she was sent overseas to Iraq. Maribel finishes her first tour in Iraq only to re-enlist for a second tour. When she finished her time in the army, she moved to the city of Orange, California, with her mother into a two-bedroom house. She even got a dog and soon enrolled in college, pursuing a bachelor's degree in criminal justice at Cal State Fullerton University. Okay. Maribel's mother died soon after settling in Orange County, so Maribel was in need of a roommate. Lucy was her first thought, but Lucy's daughter, Giselle, was in school and they were settled already. So to find her roomie, Maribel looked in the only place where you can buy cars, ugly-ass sofas, and somebody's old beer pong table, Craigslist. <gasps> Craigslist. Hello. Yeah. Puppies on there. Like free puppy. As when I was like twelve. Or like used mattresses or like. Yeah. And by old beer pong table, I mean like somebody's gorgeous antique dining table that some frat douches have turned into a beer pong table. I hate that. Right. That was the first thing I thought of. I went to this frat party, (laughs) and they had. They had like water stains all over this table. I'm like, this table's probably it's like the most gorgeous like it's mahogany right, table. Bitch. Yeah, and I'm like, what the fuck, you animals? Damn. Anyway, she found Damn. a roomie, a Yay. quiet older man, which like I wouldn't have made that move, but whatever. Right. Teach us all. A quiet older man, a chemist named Kwang Chol Joy, and his nickname is Casey, which is the name I'm going to use. Cool. Who also had a dog, so it was a good match. Casey had recently moved from Tennessee and didn't have any family or friends in California, and Maribel was a social butterfly. So the two made a good match, and Maribel made an effort to include Casey whenever she met up or hung out with family and friends. Okay, fast forward to May of 2013. It's worth mentioning here that Maribel was super close with Lucy's daughter, Giselle, and was always pushing her to go to college and get a good job. She and Lucy both wanted a better life for Giselle than the one they had growing up. As a reward for good grades, Maribel would regularly drop off money at Giselle's house and visit her niece and sister. Hmm. At the end of April, Maribel paid them one of these visits. They talked about the upcoming graduation. Maribel was so excited. She even got her hair dyed and styled for the ceremony. Okay. So it shocked everyone when on May 3rd, 2013, Maribel Ramos vanished without a trace. Oh. Here's the chain of events on the 3rd as I understand it. Maribel's roommate, Casey, texted Lucy at around 10.30 a.m. to inform Lucy that Maribel had not returned home last night. He expressed his concern and that he was really worried about her, even saying he called the police that morning, which did happen. But Lucy tells him he's overreacting and that it's not unusual behavior because Maribel was seeing somebody. Oh, okay. Lucy didn't think much of it and texts her sister around 11.30 a.m., but got no response. Again, not unusual behavior. 
Fast forward to the evening of March 3rd, Maribel is scheduled to play in a softball game. She loved softball and never missed a game, but she misses this one. She's a no-show. A relative texts Lucy and says Maribel didn't show up at the game, which is when Lucy says she starts to panic a little. Gosh, it took long enough. I would have right? the first I, night she didn't come back without a I, you know saying 100%, anything. Yeah, I 100% thought the same thing. And, you know, no one knows how they're going to react in this situation. But, like, I don't know. I just feel like I would have panicked immediately. But maybe that's just because I have a tendency to do yeah, that. Same. <laughs> she tells the relative to call police and agrees to meet her family at the house to check on Maribel. Lucy shows up, family's already there, and police are there, including the lead on the case, Detective Joey Ramirez. Lucy rushes inside to find Maribel's light on, her car in the garage, her bed is unmade, and her toothbrush is there. All of these things are unusual and indicate she did not leave even for an overnight. Yeah. So Lucy really emphasized the bed being unmade because since Maribel was in the military, I this from what I understand, this is a pretty common habit. The people in the military leave the military still doing this is making their bed every morning because it's part of because it's, a it's what the when... first step to become a million millionaire. That too. Yeah. Tiny yeah. habits. Exactly. Mm-hmm. No, but her bed was unmade and it was just she said not just unmade, but it was a mess. So she was like that immediately set off alarm bells for her. Casey was not home either. So people so police make several costs. I'm having a hard time. So police make several calls to his phone with no response. About an hour after police arrive at the house, witnesses see Casey get out of a parked car across the street and simply join the crowd outside. So he wasn't just, he wasn't just like, he didn't just pull up and is getting out of the, like the car had been parked across the street the whole time. Yeah, that's weird. And he turns out he had been watching the fan. He watched the family knock on the door. He watched <gasps> them wait for the police. He watched the police show up. He oh, watched no. them for an hour with binoculars nope. from the car. Nope. Although I will say I have and binoculars just, in my car. I'll admit it. I do. Okay. That's really weird, but whatever. And then he <laughs> he gets out of the car and just joins the crowd of spectators outside. And Lucy's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Hey, what's going on? Yeah. Okay. So as the last known person who saw Mary Bell alive, which is found out later in the interview, Casey is taken in for questioning. Police kind of single Casey out from the beginning because Lucy suspects him for reasons I'll explain in a bit. And the way he walked into the crime scene is just fucking weird. Detective Ramirez recalls that during the interview, it was difficult to get information out of Casey because he spoke with a really heavy accent. The reason this is weird is because later, when people who knew Casey well were asked about it, they say that Casey had been in the States since he was less than five years old and speaks perfect English with almost no accent. <gasps> but I I watched all the interviews. Like, he speaks, like, very, very thick accent. Uh-oh. Yeah. So that's weird. Spooky. Right? Giving Elizabeth Holmes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Casey makes it clear that he last saw Maribel the night before on May 2nd at 9 p.m. and that then he left the house, drove around town for about an hour. He just says drove up and down the main road and then came home and found her gone, which is like a weird story. Okay. Okay. Now, as Casey is sitting across from the interviewer, Detective Ramirez notices scratches on his arms and on his face. Marissa, there are photos on the drive. I know you're squeamish, so proceed with caution. Okay. 
So Casey has an explanation for these. He says that he was walking his dog in the park and noticed some fishing line caught in a bush. He reaches in to pull it out, hoping to save a duck from getting tangled in it. I'm not making this up. Hence the scratches. So police call bullshit on this story because one, it's stupid. And two, look at the photos, right? Yeah. Tell me those scratches are from bushes. No. They're they're like someone clawed at him. Like I wish, hopefully they'll find the body and find the DNA underneath the fingernails because that would be the ticket winning DNA. Yeah, well, Detective Ramirez agrees with you. He <gasps> recalls that the scratches made the hair on the back of his neck stand up because there's that one where you can kind of see his tattoo and there's literally three scratches that are yeah. parallel, like like nails. Yeah, something in a line, Des- yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Despite all of this sketchy shit, they don't have any physical evidence to hold Casey, so they let him go and are forced to pursue other suspects. They look into other men Maribel dated and that one guy she was dating and all of them had airtight alibis. So Ramirez redirected the investigation, setting his sights on Casey again. At this time, the family holds a vigil for Maribel and believe it or not, Casey does attend. But get this, he like sits in the back. Like the news footage cracked me up because they're having the vigil. And then whoever the news, the cameraman was like has a sense of humor. And I totally appreciated it Mm -hmm. because it's like showing the crowd panning across. And then he does like a full like office style zoom on Casey (laughs) in the background. (laughs) And he's just sitting on a bench, like 50 feet behind the crowd with his dog. He's just like sitting there. Isn't it like a thing too that like the attackers or the killers usually go to these things or go Mm -hmm. to the searches to try and act like. Yes. They're all cool, calm, and collected. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Okay. So I want to give a little background here about Casey's relationship with Maribel. And I told you I'd revisit why Lucy um, suspects suspects Mm -hmm. him. Suspects Mm -hmm. him. Yeah. So listen, after he and Maribel had lived together for some time, Casey called Lucy to profess his love for Maribel and and say that he believed he was the man she was looking for. Lucy said, look, oh. you're a nice guy, but that's like a really bad idea. <laughs> then called Maribel to give her a heads up, saying that from the beginning she was uncomfortable because they live together and these things can go terribly wrong. Uh-oh. That's what the sister said. Yep. And boy, was Casey into her. Lucy recalls really weird behavior leading up to this phone call. Allegedly, Maribel had once told Casey he would look good with a tattoo and he comes home with a giant ass tiger tattoo. Oh, fuck. Which, you know, tattoos are fucking expensive. So, like, that's crazy. She also told him he was too old for her. He goes out that day, gets $10,000 worth of plastic surgery done on his face. You're kidding me. I'm not kidding you. No, no, no. That's not good. This isn't good. Like, from the jump. Right. I would have left then. He starts dressing differently, going out a lot, changing all these things about himself. And Lucy suspects it was all to get Maribel to like him. That's a so couple sad. of months. It's so scary. A couple of months before Maribel disappeared, she calls Lucy and tells her that Casey had lost his job and didn't pay rent that month and that she had paid the full amount. Now, Lucy was surprised because Maribel, she said, normally my sister is like, you don't fuck with her money. Right. Mm-hmm. So she was really surprised that she had done that, but also that she just has a really giving and inclusive spirit. And she figured it was because of that. Yeah, But apparently this became a recurring problem, leading Maribel to confront Casey and tell him he had a month to move out. The next month rolls around. Maribel pays the rent again in full. She's captured on surveillance footage, depositing the check in the box at 7.15 p.m. on May 2nd, 2013. 
Now, in his initial interview with police, Casey says that the night she went missing, May 2nd, he and Maribel had an argument about rent, but that the whole fight was a big misunderstanding. She returned home and they did have an argument, but it was not a misunderstanding. She told him, you're out of time. I want you out by tomorrow. (gasps) Casey got in her face, started coming at her, cussing her out. She decides to call her friend Paul, who was also the guy she was dating at the time, Uh who told Casey, if he's not out by the next day, I will come physically remove your shit from the house, basically. They find out later that this is the last call placed on Maribel's cell phone. Okay. With this well, new information, yeah, right. With this new information, police begin looking into the rent disputes and they make a shocking discovery. In late April, 11 days before she disappeared, Maribel Ramos placed a 911 call of her own. About? On the call, she starts crying, telling the dispatcher that she is scared of her roommate. And warns them that if anything happens, she was fighting for her life. And if do- if he does anything to her, she's going to kill him. She's going to kill him? Uh-huh. Oh, fuck. Right. Police responded to this 911 call. But when they arrive, Maribel does- did not file a report as long as Casey agreed that he was going to move out the next day. And then no one followed up on it, which I don't love. Mm, Yeah. At this point, police have pretty much decided that the fights over rent could easily have been a motive. And this remains the most likely scenario to this day. So how did they ultimately apprehend Casey? This shit is wild. Okay. Because remember, at this point, he's a free man and there's no forensic evidence linking him to the crime. Therefore, no cause to make an arrest or search his home or whatever. Police, however, are authorized to post 24-hour surveillance teams outside of Casey's home to monitor his activity. Okay. In the initial search of the house on May 3rd, police obtained Maribel's laptop, uh, which they found out that she and Casey shared the computer, and he starts making frequent trips to the public library to rent a laptop. Okay. Police began by sending in undercover officers to essentially watch Casey like over his shoulder and see what he did on the computer. I would love to be an undercover officer to do those things. Right? That'd be oh crazy to witness and like, like experience. Peeking between bookshelves. I'm picturing you like sitting on a park bench with like the eyes cut out of the newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, cue the sneaking around music, honestly. Okay, so By doing this, they observed that Casey was checking his email, checking Facebook, and nothing really weird. So then he makes a number of Google searches, and this was when they kind of, like, pricked up their ears. Oh, boy. First, he searches Maribel's name. Then he Googles, can a cell phone be tracked if it's turned off? Then he Googles, what is the likelihood of a missing person being found? Um... So this gave police enough probable cause to obtain a warrant and they were able to remotely monitor his computer activity in real time, which is Whoa. really cool. Did, did he know they were able to do that? or was No, like he, he was not aware of it. This okay. was like a secret that like the same thing as wiretapping, basically. Yep. So that the same day that they get this warrant, he makes another Google search. How long does it take a body to decompose? Oh. Okay. See, the first two, I was like, okay, like, right. I could see this being, like, a concerned friend and being, like, right, right, right. you know, maybe her phone is off. Maybe it won't be traceable. Right. Or, right. you know, how how long or whatever that other question was. They didn't seem to, like, 
if you were to pull out all the other contexts that we know about this guy, I'm like, okay, it doesn't seem too malicious, but the whole decomposition yeah. thing, that threw that right out of the window. Although, if I'm being real, I've Googled both of those things. Because... Right. I mean, if you saw my Google history, I'd be in jail. But <laughs> right, exactly. shit. Exactly. I mean, it's on my work yeah, laptop. But... Don't hopefully no one from work. Right, exactly. Things, but, you know, but I feel like in the context of what was going on and the fact that he was a person of interest in a homicide, I feel like that is probable cause, you know? Yeah. So he Googles the body decomposition thing. Then I cannot believe this. I still can't. Okay. So then he logs onto Facebook and clicks on a link to a website that Lucy had posted that contains okay. information about an awareness walk and search that Maribel's friends and family were holding along a hiking trail in Peters Canyon, which is nearby. Cute. Maribel and Giselle frequented this hiking trail. And so they, we find out later that this is in hopes that, um, Maribel is somewhere along the trail and maybe oh. she got lost or whatever. So they're still searching for her. He copies and pastes the address into Google Maps, then zooms out about eight to 10 miles away to a remote canyon area. Shut okay. Up. He zooms in, he switches to satellite mode and begins to zoom in. Okay. He zooms in on one fucking tree in this entire oh, area fuck. and then deletes his fucking history. What the fuck? So literally led cops straight to the where he buried Literally. Detective Ramirez. Like, why? Like, why did he think? Let me zoom in on this. My guess. My guess is like, one, he obviously did not know the police were monitoring him. Right. But then also my guess is like, okay, I'm going to see if the body is visible on Google Earth. Maybe like that. I, I guess. I mean, what the fuck? Also, um, I'm surprised he didn't like. I guess there isn't as an exact location of where he buried her. It's not like he has the coordinates, but me constantly. I'm always searching, like, from one destination to the next. Oh, we're going to the movies tonight. How long will it take us to get to this ice cream yes. place? Like, I'm constantly That's looking true. at that kind of stuff. So I'm not surprised. I, I guess my biggest surprise is that he's just, like, the, the specificity of it all. <laughs> That's crazy. I think so. I'm like, you buy you buy. You murdered her. Don't look it up. Well, what I'm do. thinking, too, is, like, he wanted to see how far away it was from where they were searching. Yeah, in case there would be a probability right. that they go that and way. And he's like, do I need to move the body, right? He's like, how True. worried do I need She's to be? crazy. Like, insane. Detective Ramirez recalls that by the time Casey is leaving the library, police have already been dispatched to this exact location. They're able to locate the tree pretty quickly because the area is remote enough that there are no other landmarks in the area. Two officers reach the tree and walk into the brush that lies beyond the tree where they immediately smell decomposition. Fuck. It's not even 30 minutes before Detective Ramirez gets the call. They've located the body of a female buried in a shallow grave. Oh, crap. They identify the body quickly as that of Maribel Ramos. Sad, sad, sad. I think this was the outcome that everybody was expecting, not hoping for. Obviously, her family still had hope. But I think that everyone was pretty much expecting this at this point. Yeah. Um, because, you know, the odds of of finding a missing per- – to answer your question, Casey, <sighs> the odds of finding a missing person after 48 hours are very low, especially yeah. if the person is a child. And it's now, just um, – I mean, with the given context of his obsession of yeah. her, I think it's just right. even, even more so right, right, right. apparent that that's yeah. spooky. Right. Now, by the time they locate Maribel, Casey uh, has arrived home and the surveillance team is still posted outside. They know he's going to be watching the news. So they actually wait to 
like attack, I guess. Yeah. Um, and he's going to see that the body's been found on the news and they want to see how he responds to that. Yeah. Sure enough, right around when the story breaks on the news, Casey jumps out, jumps from a window out <gasps> of the house and tries to run with officers quickly detaining him. Oh, shit. When they take him into custody, according to Dateline, Casey was wearing Maribel's dog tags, which is like gross. What the Ugh. fuck? Police would later discover that when Casey's parents died in Tennessee, he actually had a fight with his sister over the inheritance. Casey's sister to this day describes him as a monster, stating that she was so afraid of Casey and his temper that she took out a restraining order. <gasps> Casey was sister? charged. Yes. Oh, no. Casey was charged with the first degree murder of Maribel Ramos and pled not guilty. In July 2014, he went on trial, and the prosecution alleged that Casey should be convicted based on his Google searches and the 911 call alone. But all of this evidence is circumstantial, and the defense reminds the jury of this. However, on July 29, 2014, Casey Joy is sentenced to 15 years to life for killing Maribel Ramos. When interviewed by NBC, Casey claims that this is a money issue, that if he had been able to afford the level of defense that O.J. Simpson had, then he would have gotten off. <laughs> Fucker. Which, like, why would you admit that? Yeah, what? You know, like, most people yeah, think Yeah, I did OJ it, but if I was it. able to afford a lawyer, I would have not right. been convicted. Yeah, Damn. that's what it sounds like. And he's still using what everyone says is a fake accent, so that's Oh, scary. God, come on. Give it up. Give it up. Right? Detective Ramirez believes Casey went into Maribel's room on the night of May 2nd and smothered Maribel with a pillow while she was asleep Fuck. and believes that when Maribel struggled, she left the scratches on his arm. Why wouldn't you, like, if you were afraid of your roommate, like, her, she was, like, saying she felt uncomfortable or whatever, lock, lock your, your door, door, one. Two, get a – Maybe the door didn't uh, lock. I don't know. Get a um, Y bar for your door, like the bar that yeah. goes underneath that we have. Yeah. I still put I, that on my on our bedroom door. I have one at um at my parents' house, so it's yeah. doing me a lot of good here. Yeah, you know? right. You should get it for them. Um, I used to have it. And that yeah, complex. well, no, like I bought a set of two on Amazon, and they're sitting under the bed in my bedroom at my parents' You've house. Got to get it, girl. So I just need to go and get them. That's all I'm waiting for. Yeah. Okay. So Detective Ramirez says this is his theory because Maribel was such a tough person that he believes. He's well, he's convinced that she would have fought back way harder if she if he hadn't caught her unaware, you know? Yeah. If I think that's the reason why he attacked her in her in sleep, sleep was he had a much greater chance of, you know, totally controlling her that way. Yeah. Maribel Ramos was granted a posthumous degree from Cal State Fullerton and the diploma mm -hmm. was accepted on her behalf by her niece Giselle. Her niece and sister will remember Maribel as a sweet, giving spirit who was tough as nails and the most dedicated person they knew. The end. Oh, fuck. That's sad, dude. What a creep. A bummer. What a creep. Yeah, right? Did you that, look him that up? That sucks. No, I don't want to. Oh. I'm not going to like... the Google uh, algorithm search. <laughs> not me looking at my image results for Casey Joe. I literally am looking at like 80 pictures of him right now. Oh, no, fuck. fuck that. You found it on what, 60 Minutes, you said? I did not say that. Oh. Um, no, it was actually also in the Worst Roommate Ever show. On oh, Netflix. shut up. Yeah, it was the Thank second God I episode. haven't watched it yet. Yeah, well, you don't have to because I'm going to cover probably all of them. <laughs> Amazing. That's all I need they're to hear. All, they're all on my list. 
Also, can I just like pat myself on the back for a second? Because my notes were five pages <gasps> and I covered them in 32 minutes. Oh my gosh. Good. Like, so really like less than that, actually. Yeah, that we talked for like seven intro. minutes. Yeah. God. Wow. Really queen, great. queen, queen. Also, there wasn't a ton of like we didn't do a, a ton of back and forth on that one, I feel like. Yeah. There a, we didn't get sidetracked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Okay. Well. I'm ready for you. Okay. <laughs> you ready? For this week's Marissa's Mystery, we're going to be talking about what some call the hidden treasure of the Pacific, the greatest archaeological mystery, and some even call it the eighth wonder of the world. <gasps> Do you know, have any idea what I might be covering? Pacific? I don't know. Uh, I was going to say the Bermuda Triangle, but didn't you already oh, do that? no. Have I? I don't think I have. That's a really good and one. And that's also that the Atlantic the Ocean. That's the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. Well, I don't know the oceans. So. I'm convinced they're all the same. So whatever. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about non-madul. It's it's something I've never heard of before. It's two separate words. N-A-N-M-A-D-O-L. Non-madul. Okay. And okay. I had never heard of it before trying to find a topic for this week's episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um Non-Madol was once a city that is now an archaeological site, which is just like a sequence of ruins that sit on the southern side of the island of Pompeii. Pompeii is a part of the Federated States of Micronesia, and I have literally never heard of these places until doing this research. Pompeii? Not Pompeii, not Indonesia, (laughs) but Pon. How do you spell it? Pompeii, P-O-H-N-P-E-I. P-E-I. It's a part of the Federated States of Micronesia. And I'm like, okay, Pompeii, Indonesia, wrong. No. So these sit – Micronesia sits far above Australia. It's like a little bunch of tiny islands, and I honestly had no clue there was anything above Australia that were I thought you were talking about Pompeii for like Italy. Like with the volcano? No, you know, girl. Pompeii? Crazy? What? Mount Vesuvius? That's what I thought you were talking about. No, 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 no. Yeah. It sits okay. on Pompeii, which is a part of the Micronesia. Okay. Um, you only needed to say it nine times. I'm yeah. sorry. I understand. No, no, you're that. good. I mean, it's true. It's It sounds like Pompeii. Like, you really can't tell the difference. So, but we are not talking about the place in Italy. We are talking about the okay. place okay. called Non Madul. Uh, okay. It consists of almost 100 man-made islets spanning over 200 acres and is built on top of a coral reef out of large, heavy stones. Um, if you will go ahead and, and Google it, I meant to put photos on the drive, but I forgot. So Okay, episode Google, 100 of that happening? Yep. Really? Google not. I have the <laughs> screenshots. And I'm like, I'll just do it right before I send the link. Wrong. Google non-madul, N-A-N-M-A-D-O-L, aerial, like the aerial image of it. So you can see specifically what this kind of looks like. You'll see it's like a kind of like a geometric, like a bunch of squares of stone. Weird. And I want you to scroll down and you'll see a kind of like aerial side view of it. So you can see just how tall these stones are and how far out they go off the coast. It truly looks like... uh, you're looking at like a city from above. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. isn't that neat? Very weird. Yeah. So it's not. It doesn't look like it's populated or anything. It just looks like. No. So, it says on Wikipedia that Nanmadul dates back to 1200 AD, 
But that's based on one of the oldest traced populations living on that island. So a lot of archaeologists actually believe that it dates back even further to a population that may not have been traceable or noted, documented as living there. Yeah. So it, it says it was built from beneath sea level. So like bottom up. So you have to think they got these large stones in the water somehow without any technology what? or machinery yeah, right. giving Easter Island. Yep. It's giving Stonehenge. Mm-hmm. And these mm-hmm. stones supposedly weigh up to 50 tons and are not held together what? with any sort of mortar, glue, or sand. No, no binding is holding these things together. It's just simply their weight that is keeping them together. But you see those how sharp they cuts. How eroded? Yeah. You see the sharp cuts. You see how tall it is. I mean, they're staying together some way, somehow. So people are just like, what? Yeah exactly how i'm feeling so there's no carving or art within the stones it's just these pristine clean walls you know that geometric shape that it shows it looks like a city grid almost um yeah outlining what looks like a metropolis a metropolis 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 Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay you did it you did it i did it. it i sounded it out okay people yeah um so <laughs> the earliest <laughs> people known to populate non-Madul were the Saudi Lear, I think is how you pronounce okay. it. And they ruled okay. the island for more than a millennium where they were known to be super, super religious and performed rituals and perhaps, I don't know, I'm just speculating, sacrifices. Now, Ooh. current day Pompeians. <laughs> what? I said rut row. Ratro is right. <laughs> current day Pompeians believe that their current, de- the current day ruins of Non Madol are haunted, especially at night. In fact, our good buddy Josh Gates from Destination Truth took a visit, and I I did not watch that episode, so I'm looking oh. forward to watching it later this weekend. Uh, uh-huh. But I watched another episode of a very popular show that I'll get to later on in this episode. Ancient Aliens. Yes. <laughs> it's like literally <laughs> yeah, the only two shows I reference in here is Ancient Aliens and uh, Destination. So it's either George or Josh, one of the two. Love them both. <laughs> so remember how I mentioned Easter Island earlier? I 20 do. seconds ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> writing out the notes, I feel like it's such I'm a long you. time in between, but really it's literally just 20 seconds ago. So I'm totally, I'm totally with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Either way, we, we discussed it. The mystery is the same. These large rocks were put on a site in a geometric pattern, and we have no clue how it was built in a time before technology or machinery. Easter Island specifically gets over 50,000 visitors a year, while Non-Madal only gets close to 1,000 visits per year. So you can imagine how preserved this place is. I mean, you saw it it looks deserted, but a lot of the main rock structure is just as it was, you know, once it was first built. Nothing has been touched. Wait, how many visitors? For Easter Island, I heard, but 50, how many 000. visitors for Namadul? Oh, wow. less than a thousand. Well, it's got to be because it's so remote, right? I mean. Yeah, there was actually not a potential to visit it up until recently because it was so remote and off of the, the coast there. But. Well, it's like that, that one island that is in it's in the same region and it they only had one covid case they've only had one covid case because it's so remote 
but because of that tsunami they've been like totally devastated and so they like people have been having hesitation about bringing in like supplies and and FEMA going out there and stuff like that because they uh, about COVID. they're scared of bringing COVID yeah mm-hmm. yeah I think about those yeah. uh and I've talked about them before and I'll have to cover them it's like that native tribe on an island that we literally have not touched like no one has gone out there except for I think a singular person yeah Pad- the Padaha people yes I wonder right? yeah. like you know they don't I'm, they probably don't know what COVID is they don't know they don't know anything. They don't know about liquid death. They don't know about computer. Like, you know, that's just so fascinating death. to me. <laughs> yeah, no, I stick. Like, what the fuck? Pens? Yeah, and that, um, that, oh, what is his name? The linguist. I don't remember. But <gasps> the we learn about him in anthropology classes and stuff like that because uh-huh. he, it's so controversial, the research he did, because there were people who were like, they lived for centuries without you. Like, it's kind of like a white savior kind of deal. Yes, yes, yes. And he just basically talks about how much he learned from these people, but also how he brought them, like, fishing rods and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, but they lived for centuries without that. They didn't need that. Yeah, I know. Do they want that? Like, you have to question. And it's just so crazy. Like, all of these terrible things going on in the world, wars and stuff, like, they don't know about any of that. What the fuck? That's crazy. That is wild. Anyways. That's wild. Sorry. That was just I, something I think about a lot, actually. So I'm, gonna okay. have to cover I'm in that. the middle of an existential crisis. So I know it's just good. so quiet, but it's cool. It's like really in reality, none of this matters because in the really in basic, reality. really in reality, that's a new <laughs> new podcast name. Um, <laughs> the if you get down to it, if all of this is gone, we just have like the basics of living and surviving, and they're doing it, and they're gonna continue to survive and live, whereas we probably would like die without our freaking cell phones and like peanut butter i don't know it's crazy i think about how like more time passed between julius caesar and like abraham lincoln than like the amount of time left in like our existence and everyone we know and love yeah that is crazy that blows my mind that is crazy i didn't think i've never thought of that because i'm like did timelines are weird there's only going to be like maybe maybe a couple like a handful of decades right before like yeah. we're gone and everyone we know in our lives is gone right <gasps> that's crazy so weird so i will be having a crisis for the next <laughs> 2 hours yeah. 12 hours friday next lifetime <laughs> happy, happy friday, friday. <laughs> it's fine uh, yeah. So let's get into the ancient aliens portion of my yeah. <laughs> my mystery because we all I know mean, I, I, lo- I don't I prefer, know I prefer aliens over haunts I do and I'm sorry and maybe one day I'll cover some more hauntings but I, the mystery of it all is that we don't know what else is out yeah, there yeah but I love hauntings so you gotta give you gotta throw me a fucking yeah. bone here it's they're scary to me I can't like freak me out oh really I just yeah. like this haunting spooks me more because I believe in it more. I think aliens, I believe mm-hmm. in aliens, but I'm like, they're so, so far removed. Like that, that's not going to happen right. for a while type of right. thing. Whereas like, mm-hmm. damn, haunting's happening to like, like spirits are all around us. So I'm like, that seems yeah. so real to me where I'm like, I don't want to talk about that's it. Cause I don't want to manifest it. But okay. George from ancient aliens and his team visited non Madal. And I was YouTubing. I YouTube for a lot of my uh, topics. I, I watch YouTube video. I read some articles. I take notes Love while the watching the YouTube videos. Yeah, yes. it's it. 
it gives me like a storyline to follow, which I appreciate. Uh, but I was finding out more about this topic and the History Channel, which Ancient Aliens is on, uploaded a segment from the episode of Non Madol yesterday. So I feel like that's a what? good sign. I'm like, this is yeah. a good sign. The actual episode aired in 2020. So how odd of like a Whoa. portion of the episode to be uploaded. Literally, it said 20 hours ago. Isn't that crazy? That, ugh. I, that is crazy. I was just also yawning at the same time. So it sounded she's like, bored. It sounds so you're like bored? it's not crazy. No, it's fine. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> uh, anyways. Pick it the, up. Pick the, up the pace. The team paid Nan Madol a visit <laughs> and visited the biggest stone on the island. So I mentioned it's comprised of a lot of stones, but they, they visited the biggest like cornerstone, essentially, of the island. And they calculated based on the volume and and length and width and height. I don't know. They took out a fucking ruler and decided and determined that it was 54 tons, give or take. I don't know how they yeah. did it. It's some science equation, but they did it right so there on the, the spot. Do the rocks make contact with the ocean floor? Yes. So how does how how does the tide not move it? I'm just like, it's just blowing my mind. Or like, I how know. has it not been eroded or whatever? There must I be something know. about... And there, you know, there's less pollution in that portion of the, the yes, ocean. Yes, hundred percent, 100%, 100%. I mean, especially with so the, it be being in a remote area, weird. not as many visitors. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Oh, uh, but George, of course, decided to ask the question, you know, what's the history of these stones? And a local who was with them says that according to legend, these stones were brought from the north and flown up here. George what? does a double take because obviously the word flown is like a right, like aliens. Bing, bing, bing. Exactly. <laughs> aliens. He's like, flown, you say, must be aliens. <laughs> so, seriously, come on. Anything that flies, it's aliens. Let's be real. Birds are not real. Oh, birds, are, birds are for the bourgeoisie. Um, but for generations, the people of Pompeii have told this story that. Foreign visitors built the city using levitation to levitate the stones to where they are today. Supposedly, it was two specific brothers that built the city, and their names were Alasopa and Alashipa. And the mm -hmm. locals have no clue who they were or why they were there, where they were from, but they do know that they were giants. And these giants used their powers to levitate the stones. Think, like, literally think giant, Jack and the Giant Beanstalk, like... It's a giant yeah. that's there to create this structure for, for them. Okay. Now, this legend concurs with that of other large stone structures built before time of machinery and technology that also have legends surrounding this levitation theory as well. And I think to myself, we got to take this all with a grain of salt. It's ancient aliens, right? It's not right. listed on a wiki page, the Smithsonian article, or the National Park Service website that I read. Right. So obviously they're going to make it away, you know, about extraterrestrials, like somehow, some way right. aliens are going to be involved. However, everywhere else lists that the city was built with, quote, unknown methods, end quote. So this whole levitation theory is not, it doesn't sound too crazy to me. And the foreign, the foreign side of it too, I'm like, they state in their ancient alien episodes, I will say, they state that this is an oral history, a legend told down from generations. Nothing was ever cited in a book or an article, so it makes sense that it's not necessarily out there. Um, and it's also said that if you tell the whole story, the whole history of non-Madol, 
you'll die mysteriously because you no longer have a purpose there. Like you've told their story, you're done. So if you think about what? it, we really don't even know the whole truth. We just don't. Wait, like, like if you're living there and you tell the history or like, are you going to die after this podcast and you're just telling me now? I don't know. Did you not think about that? No, no, I'm scared. No, there's no way. <laughs> No way the whole history is out there because it's like uh, people would be dying. You know, it's like the fucking what is it going to be? The curse of the mummy? You know, whatever. The curse of the mummy. Dude, Wait, I have a question. With my obituary. Oh, obituary. <laughs> That's, That's a, a podcast. real podcast. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I was gonna, <laughs> I was going to ask you about or just say this about the the theory, like the levitation yeah. theory is like it's about as far fetched as any other explanation that could that people could come up with like yeah. you know there's like some religious explanation or like some i don't know like you know that people are going to come up with some crazy ass theory regarding this yeah well i don't know like the archaeologists of it all the scientists they have no clue they have no clue right. where, where these stones came from they say that so they say that, of course, those specific stones on that corner there, those were levitated from the north specifically. However, the rest of the stones, which is about 60% of the structure, they have no clue where that came from. So archaeologists decided to do some research. And as of late, they've decided, they've discovered, I should say, the rest of these megaton stones have come from a volcanic outcropping. And this volcano is 25 miles northeast of Nanmadal. And is over 400 feet high. But the rocks that match those at Nanmadal are those of the very top of the mountain. And they can't explain it. They're like, we don't know how it got from the top of the mountain to where it is today, but it happened. So, okay. So they, and it's, there's no way it's any kind of like rock slide or anything if they're like, like, no, there would be some sort of evidence of that, you know, tool or machinery or, you know, locals would say, you know, oh, my ancestors built this with their own hands, but they're admitting, the locals are admitting they that foreign visitors came to use their oh, levitation oh. to build it. And the rest of it, the rest of the local legend, I'm not sure if this is the whole local legend because I'll be dead, but the rest yeah. of it, they say the other 60% that was built was actually taken from the top of that volcano. They concur with what the archaeologists are saying, but they say that it was a giant bird that basically picked up the rocks with its tendons, claws, whatever, and brought it down from the volcano. So obviously, bird, you hear bird, you think airplane, you think modern UFO. But back then, they (laughs) didn't know. What? I said some people think that. Yeah, George from Ancient Aliens thinks it, and so now I'm repeating it, okay? Whatever. But if you think about it, back then, they didn't know how to describe a UFO. They're only using what they can use in terms of to what what language they know. So they're saying yeah. it's a bird. It could have been some sort of robot airplane right. type thing. My favorite part of it is that machine. that's exactly how Ancient Aliens interpreted it. So when the, the local was telling the legend of the bird bringing down, they immediately show a visual of like a made like animation visual of uh, like a robot bird alien UFO thing. <laughs> they They're all looking in that in that position of perception yeah. versus That's like funny. just believing that it was a big phoenix or something, you know. And um, just to like just to reiterate, like the the stone the walls are solid stone, right? They're not bricks. 
Right. I mean, it's made of a few megastones. So like stones okay. stacked on top of each other, but there's no mortar in the in the middle. There's no That's binding. so crazy. Yeah. It's, God. I don't really understand it. Crazy. But you crazy girl. It's crazy. So we don't really know who, what, when, where, why built Non-Madal, but it mm-hmm. still stands today. And obviously a lot of visitors go to explore the mystery themselves. It's a really beautiful place from the videos that I've seen. Um, so definitely give it a goog if you're more curious about it. But again, we don't really know, like, I mean, what are we supposed to do with it now? Is there like some sort of spiritual significance? Is there some sort of like alien touch point previously or like what? But some right. people theorize that the remains of Nanmadal might be the remains of one of the lost continents, Lemuria or Mew. I don't know if you've heard of these, Grace. Have you heard what? of the lost continents? No, I haven't. Okay, well, there's said to be two of them out there, and people think that that might be part of it. So, in fact, Nanmadal was identified by James Churchward in 1926 in his book as the lost continent of Mew. Now, he was he was an author. He was like all sorts of different things. I'm not sure how reputable he was. I think he was kind of, you know, playing with the conspiracy theories there. But there's another writer in 1978, Bill Bollinger, who wrote a book called The Lost City of Stones, and he theorized that the non-Madal was built by Greek sailors in 300 BC, which is completely different from any other history that we've heard. Is Some... Atlantis part of a lost continent or is it just... Yeah, that that's my next line. I was going to say, some <gasps> people theorize that Nanmadal could have been what we know today as the lost city of Atlantis. <gasps> Crazy. And I'm going to be honest, I don't know much about Atlantis. I think it'd be cool to cover. Um, uh, yes. Obviously, as a kid, I thought it was just like a really expensive vacation spot because it was like the Bahamas thing like, that they <laughs> or whatever. So I never knew it was like a, a mystery of the world or like this... Right. I'm not sure. Is, is Has it even been proven? Do you know that that's no. a lost city? Oh, it is? No. No. Oh, okay. It has not been proven. Okay, cool. So, <laughs> yeah, again, we don't know. The construction of the city really has no evidence, so no one truly knows when, why, how, who built it. And it's a mystery we may never understand in our time here on Earth. So that was Marissa's mystery. Wow. That was a good one. I thought it was neat. I've never heard of it. I I mean, I'm assuming I probably watched it back in the day in Destination Truth, but I don't remember it. Um, I just thought it was cool because, like, it looks beautiful. Like, it's this beautiful ruins. And the locals are saying it's this foreign visitor and this big bird that built the city. It's like, well, why is that story getting passed down from generation to generation and not, like, you know, we worked 300 days to build this. You know what I mean? Like, it's just so interesting to me, the locals' story about it as well. Wait, so this was, it was 1200 AD, right? BC. BC. That's the estimation. I thought you said AD. Oh, yeah, AD. That is what Wikipedia states. But a lot of archaeologists say there's got to be. Yeah, there's got to be before that because just because they have you know, the first population that lived there doesn't mean they were actually the first. There could have been yeah. more before them. I like these kind of like world mysteries. I mean, when you think about Stonehenge or Easter Island and then the Great Pyramids and then the Mayan temples, it's like, in reality, those things must have been so hard to build. It, it's hard to believe we didn't do it with some sort of help. It's really amazing. And like the the fact that I think that 
that's the part I don't like about stories like that is mm-hmm. if I think too hard about it, it makes me like, it makes me scared. Because <laughs> I'm just like, I just what wonder, like, why did they help us back then and not now? Like, was there some sort of agreement? Uh, you know, some sort of yeah, thing with like, the president? Honest to God. Yeah. Please. Like, we I'm need your help. over it. Save yeah. us. Yeah. I don't know. I'm like, is there, there a, an agreement with the president that, like, you know, don't come around? Was that, you know, whole, um, Who's the highway guy? Remind me. Eisenhower? Eisenhower, yeah. How he made oh. a deal with the aliens that they can abduct 100 people a year or something like that. Um, so I'm like, is it true? Does Ryan Murphy know something we don't? <laughs> Ryan! Ryan Murphy's, Ryan Murphy's been abducted. <laughs> Ryan Murphy, like, He's has come back been. with all these fucked up ideas. That's why he's Shit. crazy. Who knows? And made him a very rich man. Yeah. I believe so. it. <laughs> Why not? Oh, speaking of Ryan Murphy and Glee and Matthew Morrison, who played Mr. Schuster on Glee, just got fired from So You Think You Can Dance. Yeah. And then he posted on his Instagram, like saying, because I follow him and his wife Uh on Instagram. His wife is, his wife gives me the energy of someone who did like so many drugs in her 20s and then had kids and like chilled out, you know? Okay. Like that's kind of the vibe I get because she's like, like the other day she put, she posts like this just the craziest shit on Instagram and I love following her cuz she it's kind of like Britney Spears. She yes. posted like she posted this this video the other day of her holding her baby and spinning in circles in their backyard and just breathing so heavily and then oh. it was like 4 minutes and that was on her story. That was okay. Just... All right. So like stuff like that like she's just very bizarre. Iconic. Yeah. Yeah, what was their she response? Posted... I saw that he got yeah, fired. So... Yeah, so he got fired and People Magazine and now I think Fox are alleging that he was flirting with one of the contestants or sent flirtatious messages. Okay, awkward. But the official explanation he gave when he said he was ending his time with So You Think You Can Dance, he said that he was, he violated his contract. Uh... And... But he wasn't clear about what that meant. Like, yeah, And it was like spe- the specific clause of his contract where like, it was a com- competition, something like basically judges are supposed to maintain a certain level of objectivity. So they're not allowed to like talk to the contestants really right. outside of the show. And I think that was the clause that he violated. But then oh, People Magazine spun it as he flirted with this contestant. Yeah. And of course, we believe women on this podcast, but I do love Mr. Shu and I love Matthew Okay, Morrison. Mr. Shu was fucking creepy though in Glee. He was flirting with all oh, of his students. Him. Yeah, he was, but I I liked him. Here I, for it. I, I did when I was watching the show. <laughs> Listen, uh, you know I have a thing for teachers. <laughs> if you know, you know. Anyway, so I no, I just I was curious about his explanation because almost always celebrity. I don't even know why celebrities bother apologizing because they're always terrible at it and yeah. it always goes wrong. It never never. Does someone apologize and they're all like, oh, yeah, good point. No, never. Yeah. It just gets torn apart. I'm like, yeah. I don't know why it's no one tells idea. this. Where's like, your PR? No, right. No publicist ever tells a celebrity, hey, you're under fire right now. Just shut your fucking mouth because they just keep yeah. talking and it makes it so much worse. Vanessa Hudgens with the, with the COVID. Oh, my COVID God. Thing. God bless her. Yeah. In her defense, I feel like we did not it. know enough about it back then. Or at least she didn't. Yeah, obviously. Or there was this YouTuber, um, you know Laura Lee. Do you know who that is? Yes. She talks like this. 
Yep. Mm-hmm. And she, there were some racist tweets that surfaced. And oh, yeah. especially Classic. when there's like, you, when you offend a huge amount of people, like Matthew Morrison's scandal, I think is different. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't like, no one was alleging that he harassed this woman, but it was like okay. that she, that he flirted with this contestant. So who's going right? to be the new judge? Sorry. I don't know. Oh, I thought he would be Sorry. good at it. Yeah. No, he is. I mean, he's, he's been on Broadway and is like a, a good dancer. So, um, and Laura Lee. Like ramen. no. So Laura Lee, uh, her tweets came out that she was, you know, like saying racist shit. And so she went on YouTube and my sister and I, always make fun of this video because she was like what looked like fake crying and oh, she was God. like so sorry so sorry like that's how oh, she's no i've definitely seen like reels about this or yeah. tiktoks or whatever and it's like it, it is like she's dabbing at like nothing like there's right. no tears right and so bb and i always say that we're like so sorry so sorry so sorry, so sorry. shut up that's what she's doing <laughs> I don't understand why people run their fucking mouths when they've already made a bunch of people angry. Like, yeah, because then you're going to make it. a tsunami. You God. know? God. Poetic. Look at you, girl. Now I'm a duel on the brain. <laughs> I mean, it's called metaphor. Mm-hmm. 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 Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, uh, I think we're we're done right yeah like we did everything we came here to do we do yeah. except for we have to tell them where they can email us or follow us would you like to do the honors yes you're right i forgot um okay so you can follow us at where murder meets mystery on instagram or email us at where murder meets mystery at gmail.com rate and review us on apple podcasts follow oh, us on spotify absolutely all that stuff yeah just give us a thumbs up like, comment, and subscribe. And let's get that number to 51, baby. Yes. Uh, <laughs> cool friends, have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.